Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. I've calmed down. We've all cooled down. Trying to do some quick math here on um, Trey Turner contract and what it's going to look like in seven or eight or nine years and compound interest and all that nonsense. I would rather have a shortstop till he's like 36, 37 than 41. But that, that's me. That, that's, just, uh, that's just crazy old me over here. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard. We'll get back to the Odell stuff. I just saw... A quote from Micah Parsons, apparently Odell Beckham, Jr., uh, Odell Beckham Jr. told him he could be ready to play in about five weeks. So what are we talking about here? The playoffs? That's when Odell thinks he's uh, is going to be back to play? What's he been doing? Well, I guess rehabbing his knee, right? I guess, but it feels like it's been a while. He should be ready. Jameson Williams tore his ACL, and he's back on the field. I feel like this is a Wizard of Oz thing going on here. Like, what's going on behind the curtain with Odell? He's going to just sign somewhere and then go on the IR immediately? Here's what I don't. I don't want him here. No thanks to Odell Beckham. Uh, and we'll get back to the Trey Turner conversation after the Phillies uh, doled out $300 million press conference tomorrow. But we haven't talked about Sixers the last couple weeks, and that's, you know, with, with some good reason. Number one, we had a Phillies World Series run, and now into the offseason – We've had an 11-1 Eagles team, and mostly, this Sixers team stinks, and they're hard to watch. So I haven't been excited to talk about them, but I thought, let's catch up after the loss uh, with the Rockets on Monday, Harden back, and the debut of a brand new Sixers podcast called Clap Your Hands, hosted by Elliot Shoreparks and our guy Kyle Newbeck, also a Philly voice. Kyle, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, you know, just a great time to launch a Sixers podcast show when the team is absolutely infuriating everyone in the city and the Eagles have captured everyone's attention. Just good times all around. I'll tell you, there's nothing better than good timing on something, Kyle. You guys have hit it, <laughs> but uh, at least you got to react to something the other night, that loss in, in Houston. So, all right, we'll get to the team here, but, but tell us about the podcast. So I know you're doing with Elliot and kind of give us um, a feel for what it's going to be like and how, how often episodes will drop here. Yeah, so I think we're going to probably do – Several times a week, I would imagine. It's always, you know, basketball is different than football where you never know what the schedule is going to be every week. Sometimes they play three games. Sometimes it's four. Sometimes it's two. It varies all the time. But Elliot and I are going to check in several times throughout the week. Uh, Elliot, as you know, Joe, as many listeners know, has got some strong takes, some bold takes. And, you know, combining that with uh, the insider knowledge that I get and the – Day-to-day reporting I can do. I feel like we're going to bounce off of each other well. So I'm, I'm really excited to get rolling, and uh, hopefully the people like it. I think they will. And everyone go download it, Clap Your Hands, available on the Odyssey app and, of course, anywhere you get podcasts. So I, I will be listening to uh, to a lot of these. And, Kyle, hopefully the, there's some, some good basketball or at least better basketball yeah. coming here because it, it has been brutal. And, and Monday night, you know, that game in Houston where, you know, Harden comes back. That's I mean that Rockets team is terrible to lose that game that way and there's been a couple of these right the you know last couple of weeks they've had it's funny because I I thought for a while they were they were kind of turning a corner and and maybe winning some games they weren't supposed to or, or kind of holding their own with the, all the guys hurt but then the last week or so it feels like this thing's going backwards here yeah and look like you lose a game to Cleveland last week where they shoot like a million percent from the field but it happens it wasn't great but it happens. Even the Memphis loss last week, Memphis is a really good team. The Sixers didn't play their best, and you know there were some preventable things that they didn't do in that game. But still, it's like, all right, you lost to the Grizzlies. It's not a, a five-alarm fire. You lose to this Rockets team and lose to them in the way you did where you know they had the lead and had probably four or five different chances to extend the lead late and put that game away, and you have the star-level veteran talent 
And not only did they not score, they're turning the ball over. They're looking horrible. Like they have no sense of direction. You know, James Harden, after stinking it up for most of the second half, takes the final possession of the fourth quarter and decides to play hero ball and doesn't run anything, gets a shot blocked. It's it's just not a team that looks like it has a sense of direction, Joe. And, you know, I didn't think this far into the year. We're over, like, I know people say the NBA doesn't really start until Christmas and, you know, it, there is a ramp-up period, but we're over a quarter of the way into this season. Like, they, they can't just keep throwing away stretches of games and time because this is a team that has to compete with nucleuses in Boston and Milwaukee and elsewhere that have been together for years and have actually gone on runs. The Bucks have won a title. The Celtics have gone to the finals and have gone to multiple conference finals. That's your competition. And so to be slogging through this season and turning in these half-hearted performances, that's just simply not going to get it done. Kyle, how much of this is on the coach, Doc Rivers? I mean, coming into the season, I felt like a lot of fans expected if this happened, he'd be gone. Um, how much would you put on the coaching staff? I know there's been a lot of injuries, right? So it's been difficult to have that cohesion. Um, and how much do you think it's just on the players and it, it's on them to figure this out? Right. Like, so I think I was probably more inclined to put it more on the coaching staff up until you see that run without Harden, without Embiid, and without Maxi on top of that, where all these role players are bought in. Like those guys very well could have just laid down and died and taken a bunch of bad losses. And, you know, Doc would have been able to hide behind, well, we had nobody available and the players would not have really taken any blame for playing poorly without their three best players. But that's not what happened. They rallied together. They played good, solid team basketball. They've had an identity over the last month of defensive toughness. They've been like the single best or one of the single best defenses in the league in the period between when Harden got hurt and Harden returned. like That's not an accident. That's a bunch of guys that came together and executed game plans and so on and so forth. So you can't totally blame the coaches. And I think, and I've written this a lot recently, Joe, Like I, I have a lot of admiration for Joel Embiid as a player. But when you see a guy who's as good as he is and is this far into his career, when he's making the same mistakes, when he's showing the same lack of focus in the middle of games that we might have saw you know, two, three years ago, four years ago, whatever it is, and the team is following suit behind him, you have to question like the overall leadership of the team. Like, Why is he carrying himself that way? Why is Doc Rivers not getting more out of him? Why is James Harden not able to you know, galvanize them in any way? Like, it just seems like they are a bit of a rudderless ship right now. And I'm not exactly sure how you fix it. Cause I don't think you can pinpoint the problem to a single person. How about the roster itself, Kyle? It's, you know, Daryl Morey has really gotten very little criticism since he arrived to Philadelphia. We know he has a, a really good resume and he did a lot of good things with the Rockets and nearly made the finals. And, you know, he was in the same conference as the dynasty. So that was difficult for a time. But how about what he's done? I mean, the PJ Tucker signing, I know why they got him, and I've liked PJ Tucker, and he, you know, he does bring something, but it also feels like they're playing four on five with him on offense um, most nights of these games. How about the job that Maury's done, and which really is kind of no one's talking about? Yeah, look, I think Darrell would tell you himself if you ask him that the guys that they brought in have simply not been good enough yet. Now, whether he thinks that that is a, a long term thing or it's just a a bunch of hiccups to start the season. That is certainly still up for debate. But, look, I think you see in that Houston game, in the Memphis game, Joe, in games where you're playing teams that are really good offensive rebounding teams and are athletic and really get into you, 
they don't have the athletes to match some of these teams, right? Like they're older now. It's a, a blend of skill guys. And I think a really sneaky, huge development or lack of development, I guess I should say, for this team is that Matisse Seibel has not taken any sort of offensive step forward, right? Like if Matisse was a league average shooter, if you could just give him the ball in the corner and he makes 35% of his threes and that's it, you could take Tucker out of the lineup and mix up these lineups and play like a really long, athletic, active, defensive team, and you could change how this works. Like You're attacking the glass, you're getting out and running, you're doing all sorts of other different things, but because you can't do that, you're really limited with your options. You are this sort of older and less athletic team, and you're susceptible to being beaten in the ways they have been. So, you know, some of it is a failure of internal development, and that's, you know, guys who have been here before Maury, guys who have arrived since, and, you know, the the roster decisions they've made recently have not worked out so far. We'll see if they end up working out in the future. We're talking to Kyle Newbeck, a writer for Philly Voice, and uh, now a co-host on the new Sixers podcast, Clap Your Hands, along with Elliot Shore Parks. Kyle, there's another part of this, right? There's the GM, there's the coach, you mentioned Joel. But the other part I always think about with teams, especially ones that are struggling, is, is kind of like the body language and, and what you're seeing day to day. Because sometimes teams could rally. I mean, last year at this time, I think right up till New Year's, the Celtics were pretty mediocre. And then they really went on a run, obviously all the way to the NBA Finals. But I never sensed that team was like quitting or, or you know, they come, maybe there were some issues, but they figured it out. What, what are you noticing when you watch them? Like, do you feel like this could turn around or, or do you have some concerns with the body language and the way they look on the court with each other? I think it's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde, Joe. Like, I, I think there are some nights, even that Memphis game, they went down, I want to say they were down by like 20 points at some point in that game. And that's a game that they easily could have laid down and died. That team came back and pushed it to within, I believe it was four or six points late in the fourth quarter, have a chance to win that game. And that's why you walk away from a game like that thinking, all right, they didn't win and they didn't have their best performance, but at least it's a team that seems like they care and they want to be out there and they're fighting for every inch and all that. And I think you saw that during the stretch where they were undermanned too. Like those guys bought in together. They did whatever they need to do to win. Unfortunately, there's still too many of these stretches where, you know, Joel Embiid says, I want to have the best defense in the league. And he obviously is going to be the leader of that. And then for, the second and third quarter in some of these games, they just don't play any defense at all. And the the play-to-play, quarter-to-quarter commitment just isn't there. And so I I think we're going to have to figure out over time whether it's just a product of schedule and injuries and all this other stuff or if this is just a, a team that's rotting from its core and is destined to go nowhere. Well, if that's the case, uh, there's two paths Daryl Morey could take here. He could trust his original process and putting this team together and think in time it'll they'll figure it out, or he can make a move. He could change something, whether it's big parts, little parts. What's your guess on, on what they do the next couple months before the trade deadline? I mean, I know how they play is going to impact it, but just based on everything, do you think Maury's going to trust that he has the right mix and it will come together, or could you see something happening? I mean, I could see them taking a big swing if one is out there. The problem is they don't really have the pieces or the assets to go and make that happen because when you went out and traded for Harden, you not only traded Simmons and Seth Curry, you're trading multiple picks to make that happen. And so their, their options in terms of trading picks are limited. And then you look at the contracts they had to trade, like to match salaries, 
for guys that would be coming in. They just don't have a lot of big numbers to exchange for another guy who would be a potential impact player if one even becomes available on the market. Like Daryl Morey's MO, everywhere he's been, is that he's a guy who chases stars. He thinks stars are much, much more valuable than anybody else. And so if, if he thinks that something needs to be changed between now and the end of the year, he's going to be thinking big. It's not going to be these little tinkering moves, and, and maybe they make those, but I don't think he would sell a move like that as something that's going to push them over the top. And so maybe, maybe we see him try to swing for the fences here. I just, I don't know what that move looks like because they don't really have a lot to trade unless you're willing to trade, you know, Maxi with one of their big contracts. And then, you know, you lose one of the best players on your team. And I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that that's in the cards unless some superstar trade falls into their lap somehow. Kyle, we'll end with this. Talking to Kyle Newbeck here, Philly Voice and the Clap Your Hands podcast, New Sixers podcast, find on the Odyssey app and anywhere you get your podcast. So you mentioned Joel earlier and, you know, kind of the moments in that game on Monday. And, and, and the numbers are still, you know, they're, they're, they're really good, right? Joel is averaging 30 points a game. And I'm just curious if, if you've experienced this in, in your realm, right, whether it be social media, people email you, however they get, they get through to you. Because I'm hearing it more here on WIP. It feels like fans are frustrated with Joel, and I don't think it's it's he's, not that he's not performing at all, right? He's averaging thirty points a game, but something has changed that I've noticed the last year or so, where it's gone from like, "Wow, I can't believe we have a player as great as Joel Embiid in town," to now some frustration. Have you noticed or felt that you know when you talk to fans? Yeah, for sure, and I would say I feel that somewhat myself, Joe. Like I I see these lines, and you know we'll put up. 35 points and nine rebounds and six assists. And, you know, the Sixers outscore the other team by 10 points when he's on the floor. And if that's all you look at, having not watched the game, that's great. And even if you have watched the game, obviously a lot of that is great. But you get the sense that, you know, there's more there. And you see some of these when he actually puts it all together, when he plays hard and he is committed for four quarters you see glimpses of who this guy could be if he did that every night. And he had, he has done that. When he went on an MVP-level run last year and the year before, he's a more consistent, more consistently engaged player every possession, every quarter, every game throughout the season. And I haven't seen that this year, and they need that from him. This is a team that is not simply not good enough if he is not constantly engaged and doing his job on both ends of the floor. And whatever he has to do to make that happen, whether that's deferring more on offense, whether that's just getting in better shape, whatever it is, he has to find a way to do it if this team's going to become the team that they believe they could be coming into the Agreed. Kyle, always appreciate you hopping on. Good good luck with the new podcast. I'll be listening, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Joe. There he goes. Kyle Newbeck, Philly Voice, and the Clap Your Hands podcast Along with Elliot Sherbrooke. How many podcasts Elliot have now? He's got a lot of podcasts. I mean, that's at least three or four. I don't really like podcast titles that tell me what to do. Clap your hands, go birds. Yeah. Well, that's not telling you what to do. It's just more of a... It's telling the birds to do something. Yeah. To go, I suppose. High hopes. That's okay, I guess. Yeah. That's just a, a state of being. Yeah. So, but so clap your hands. You just, you feel like you're, you're being, it's being pushy. Yeah. I think you're, you know, don't push your message on me. Don't tell me to clap my hands. When I, when I if heard, I'm happy and I know it, I'll, I'll clap my hands. But until then. I, I've never heard, you, know, you hear people say that, like, don't push your message on me. I never thought of that in conjunction with the Sixers song. <laughs> I, just, I never put those two together. I think that's why they wait until the end of the game to play it. 
because maybe half the arena gets up and leaves because they don't feel like clapping their hands. Well, if I was watching this particular Sixers team, I'm not clapping my hands. They're they not, wouldn't play the song for this Well, team. they're not very good. Let's talk to Frankie in Roxburgh. Hey, Frankie. Good evening, Joseph. Good evening, Frankie. How are you? I'm good, Joe. I just guess what I made tonight. That's why I had to call you because every time I make this cert, every time I make broccoli rob, I think of you. Well, I'm going to guess broccoli rob then because you called. And what would you what'd you have? Wait, with wait, wait a minute. I made roast pork. Oh, there we go. And I had a I had a sarcone roll, and I and I with. The sharpest provolone and broccoli rob. I made a sandwich. Now, do you and think? Now, you that, think yours is better than John's roast pork? What do you think? Uh you, you could be honest, quite, Joe. Joe I, I think it's. I think it could be like even. Wow, that I, that's pretty good. I mean, that that's yeah. yeah. And I and I made pasta azul. Well, that's. I mean, t- today's a soup day, Frankie. It's, it's that yeah, kind of weather you like, out. You like that, Joe? Yeah, of course. It, it, it's, it's the weather for for some soup today, for sure. Yeah, because it's damp, and yeah. you know, I just can't wait till we till we get that freeze, Joe. Because when when the weather gets like this, right, like damp and warm, all the mold comes back out. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, no, I, I we had a little freeze a couple nights ago, but then it got warmer. Yeah, you know, the yeah, last couple of days, and and because. The past two days with this weather, my allergy's been kicking. I don't know about anybody else, but mine has. But to get to the point, I don't want Odell, Joe. And, Joe, I'll tell you the truth, I ain't scared of the Cowboys. I, Joe, I think we could beat anybody. See, the difference is, Joe, Dak Prescott hasn't faced this good of an Eagles team. I don't care about statistics like uh, you know uh, from years. This is a t- he. We never had a back end like this, Joe. No, I think it's and the best. It's the best too. secondary they've had with the corners like this since you know the early two thousands. And 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 Dak is going to give us a couple, Joe. Well, you know, Frankie, it's interesting you brought that up. And Frankie, that that dinner sounds delicious. We appreciate the phone call. Dak Prescott has played well, I, I would say, since coming back. I mean, he's the last three games, sixty-six percent completion, three touchdowns. Game before that, seventy percent, two touchdowns. Game before that, eighty-eight percent, two touchdowns. But you know what, Dak Prescott's done a lot of since he came back off the um, the IR. Thrown a lot of interceptions, like a whole lot. Dak Prescott, he's been pretty mid-tier. If you look at his numbers since he came back. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? The first one, um, so it was the first game. The first game was Detroit. He played solid in that game. That 19-25, 76%, one touchdown, no picks. But since then, um, the completion percentage is pretty good. He's been you know, mostly efficient, but he has, what, one, three, five, six picks in five games? He's got a lot of interceptions over the past. Yeah, he's got six. Six interceptions in his last five games. He has seven interceptions on the season, and he's only played in seven games. Yeah, look at his last four after the bye week. He's completing 68% of his passes, but he's got 10 touchdowns and five picks. He's been fine. Like, he's been good. He's not an MVP candidate. The one thing I do worry about is he plays a lot better when Tyron Smith is healthy, Mm -hmm. and Tyron Smith is blocking his blind side. Tyron Smith returned to practice today. He might be on the field. When the Eagles and Cowboys play on Christmas Eve. 
you know what? And their offensive line with those young guys actually played pretty well. Um, they've gotten by more, more than I, I thought they would be. They've, they've been pretty good. Brian is up on WIP. Hey, Brian. Hey, Joe. What's happening? How are you tonight? <laughs> it's been quite quite a show. I know. <laughs> you know, talking about roast pork, broccoli rob, Trey Turner's <laughs> contract, all over the place. I had leftover homemade chili for dinner, just so you know. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, it wasn't bad. So, um, my goodness, that guy Matt seemed like a decent enough guy and, and and not a dummy. But like, what the heck was he talking about? Uh, seriously, I don't know. Like, and I, I I've been trying to think. Like, I I think he was thinking about it from like a uh, investment perspective and how much money they'll make. Which which that's fine. But that that's not my point. Is about the baseball team, right? Like, and ha- like you don't want a forty year old shortstop. I love Trey Turner. He's going to be awesome. I just. You know, I wish he was here for six or seven years, and then they wouldn't have to worry about when he's thirty-eight and thirty-nine and forty years old. No, and I these 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 long deals with these the number of years that it's really becoming absurd. I'm like, oh, I, I don't I don't get it. I, I just I, I I don't get it because even even Judge, what is it, like nine years? Or yeah, whatever? nine, and he, and he's thirty-one, so he'll be you know right about forty at the end too. Exactly. It's like. I, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't get the the logic in that. I just I just don't look. Th- these guys are going to make their money. It's the money's insane, but like the number of years, I just I just don't get. Well, especially because so, the contracts are guaranteed. Like in football, like oh, go ahead, like spread the money out however you want. Because when the player goes bad, you just cut him and you don't have to pay him anything. But that's in baseball. It's all guaranteed. Like if Trey Turner wants to, he'll be here all eleven years. He has a no trade clause, and and like they have to pay him. They can't do anything. Yeah, no, and you you are spot on. Look, and we're all excited to have him here. I mean, he's a very good player, and he's he's going to help big time. But like, yeah, I mean that. I just don't get it. I, I just don't, don't get it. I don't it's, either, Brian. And man, I preach the phone. I I don't get it. Like I I don't get why you'd want that. Like again, we're going to accept it because we're fans, and we're going to be happy on opening day when Trey Turner runs out to shortstop, and for the next. You know, hopefully, handful of years when he's still playing at a very high level and hitting 300 and, and making All Star games and all that kind of stuff. And I like the player. He reminds me of Barry Larkin. He reminds me of Paul Molitor. Like this guy could be really good for a long time and help the Phillies win a lot of games. It just, I'm just in my perfect world, and I think in Logic's world, you don't want a shortstop at the age of 38, 39, 40. And he, I don't know where he ages off to. He doesn't play like a guy that's going to profile as a left fielder. They already have nine DHs. Usually second basemen don't last until their late 30s. They move off of that position too. I don't know what he is when he's 39 and 40. And a bench guy? For $27 million? I just, I think Trey Turner probably has the highest peak. I think he fits the Phillies the best mm-hmm. in their current situation. But when you compare him to the rest of the shortstops, I, I do think he ages the worst. I think Carlos Correa ages well into a third baseman, the way Cal Ripken or Alex Rodriguez did. I think Xander Bogarts can move to second base, and he doesn't rely so much on speed defensively. And, I mean, who cares about Dansby Swanson? He's going to get, like, a four-year deal. I don't know. I, I just think Trey Turner is a shooting star, and once that speed goes, which so much of his game relies on, I don't know how much he can contribute at an above-average level. Yeah, and it, um, MLB.com had a really interesting piece about that. what Tucker just said about his speed and when it goes. The crazy part about Trey Turner so far is it hasn't gone at all. I mean, usually, you know, like a player that's as fast as he is, like 
they peak at 24, 25, maybe 23. Their speed, right? That's their fat, like running backs, right? They're, they're corners. And then they get a little slower in their mid-late 20s. He hasn't lost any. I mean, maybe he will just defy everything and keep being fast forever. But I don't know. I mean, he hasn't lost a step. I hope it could. I mean, I, he's fun to watch. I hope it continues for the next handful of years where he's just as fast as he was when he was 24. But that... That, of course, would be uh, pretty amazing if he could accomplish that. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard on this Wednesday night. Trey Turner, I'm, I I love the player. It's just the contract that you know that has me shaking my head in 11 years. And, of course, the Odell Beckham rumors out there. I don't want him, not even a bit. 215-592-9494. We get back your calls. And the Eagles, and they have a ton of free agents. But I, I thought we saw at least a couple um, that would be allowed to walk away this offseason because of how a couple young players played on on Sunday. I'll explain next on Sports Radio 94 WIP.